Hello and welcome to We're the North Bank, the Arsenal podcast for 90 minute football. If you're watching us on the Chronicles of Aguna YouTube channel, big hello to you guys as well. But we'd love you guys to go over and subscribe to We're the North Bank on all major podcast stores. It's the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Minute Football and myself and Dan Potts are going to be looking back at deadline day. Uh, we're also going to be discussing one of the hot topics today as well, uh, which is in regards to he who shall not be named, as we're going to start calling him, I think. Um, but let's uh, let's get right into it, Dan. Let's talk about uh, transfer deadline day. Obviously, the big story Arsenal managing to get a deal for Thomas Partey over the line uh, at the very last minute. How pleased are you that Arsenal have got that done? Saved our transfer deadline day, didn't it? Saved our transfer window, if I'm honest with you. You know, it was looking pretty bleak up until that point, And it's a massive signing. It's a signing I've always wanted. It's a signing I always thought we were going to get. And it was a signing I hoped we'd get because I put my neck on the line to say that we were going to get him. So I think for me, it's a huge statement, Harry. I think it's a position we've needed for about 15 years. Uh, and it has saved our, our transfer window. You know, I, I really didn't rate it, if I'm honest with you, until that signing. Um, but... At the end of it, we have got a centre-back who I rate and we've needed and a defensive midfielder who I rate and we've needed. So perhaps it's not quite as bad as, as we make it out to be. But the Thomas part, even for me, that's huge. And he's going to walk straight into the side. He's the enforcer, great in transition. He's got power and presence. And we haven't had that for years, mate. So I'm really excited about this signing, mate. Yeah, I mean, I'm quite positive about the window overall as well. And, you know, like you said, I think the fact that we managed to get Thomas Partey over the line on deadline day has really, in my opinion, taken it from being an OK window to a good one. Um, it was the difference, wasn't it? And of course, Arsenal left it to the very last minute. You know, they, they triggered the release clause on the final day. Some people will argue that, you know, Arsenal were always going to do that, maybe. Um, perhaps that was the plan. It was to go in for a while. Um, some people still maintain that Arsenal were after both of those players and that they didn't want to show that they had the money in terms of their negotiations with Leon. Um, and then obviously when an agreement couldn't be reached, they decided uh, to to do the Partey thing anyway. Um, I personally think it was probably one or the other. I feel like given what we've sort of seen and heard and read over the last few weeks, it's difficult to think that Hussein Awar was not the number one target though, because it felt like that was the one we went after most aggressively um, and unfortunately for us we couldn't get that deal done but you know I am I am pleased because it, it was always my opinion that Thomas Partey would be the one who could transform this side quicker and that's not to say that Hussein and I just feel like he would make the difference quicker whereas Hussein Moir 22 years old uh, still relatively young there's always that risk of how they will settle when they come to England of course there is that risk with Partey as well, but I think the, the the La Liga is at such a is at a much higher level than than the French Liga, and I think that transition probably becomes a lot easier because of that. Um, you know, we spoke about Thomas Partey on on a number of podcasts over the last few days. So, um, how do how would you fit him into this team, Dan? Would you say that? One of the current midfield drops out. Would you say that it would maybe lead to a change in formation? What is your gut feeling about where Thomas Partey fits into the picture? 
Watter is using the tools at the moment that he's got, and he wants to go four three three. The reason we can't go four three three is because he's not had the, the players around it to to fit that system, and that's why he's looked at players like David Luiz and Granite Chaka and Danny Ceballos, and he's made them look okay because it's fitting into a system where they suit. I don't think, however, that's his future. Uh, it looks to me as if he's going to go four three three in some games. But for the games, for example, in a couple of weeks against Man City, I expect him to keep it free at the back. And I think the free at the back, Gabriel, Luiz uh, and Rob Holding is probably looking like the free favourites at the moment until players start coming back from injury. That means a midfielder is going to miss out. And I'm not quite sure who he's going to miss out with that one. For me, it would be uh, Danny Ceballos and Party together. Uh, because I think they bring more energy and mobility in the midfield. But it's no, it's no denying that Granite Xhaka has been one of our most consistent performers in the midfield. So I think what Granite Xhaka and Elneny give you is completely different to what Sabahas and Party give you. And I think what we need is mobility, uh, presence and enforcer. And I think that's what uh, Thomas Party does that uh, Granite Xhaka can't do in terms of his lack of mobility off the ball. So that's why I would do that. But Arteta loves Granite Chaka in his side. So it could be Danny Ceballos that misses out or he could surprise us all and go with all three of them and have a four at the back. My worry with that, Harry, is David Luiz. I would prefer yeah. to have Rob Holding and Gabriel personally because I don't think David Luiz can play at two at the back. He's fine in a three, you know. Uh, but I think if he's going to go with two at the back, David Luiz could even miss out if he's going to be playing with the three in midfield. I don't know about you, mate. I mean, I'm going to do a podcast specifically on it in the next few days, but my kind of where I'm going to sort of look at it in a lot more detail. But I guess my initial thoughts will probably be that it becomes a midfield three um, of Xhaka, Partey and Ceballos. And in that, we give sort of Granit Xhaka the instruction that when Arsenal are out of possession, he drops into that kind of left centre back role, which we've seen him do quite a bit, to be fair, under Mikel. Do you think he'll be deepest then? Like Xhaka will be deep and then you've got Partey and Ceballos? Yeah, I think yeah. I think Partey is the one that you know you know you expect to be a little bit more box to box. We know a lot of people talk about Sabios as being a little bit more creative. For me, he is creative, but from a deeper position. I think he's more comfortable in that position. But having Sabios Xhaka there gives Partey, I guess, that license to get forward and join in the attack. But also, you know, what's worked really well for us is being able to shift into this you know, five-man defence, literally with a click of a finger, and then change it into a, a four when we're in possession. It's It's been that fluency that has really helped this Arsenal team improve and made us tactically flexible in games. And I feel like the way that I'm saying with, with Xhaka, Partey, Ceballos, but asking Xhaka to play that little bit deeper when without the ball, it is probably the way you maintain that and the way you keep that sort of trend going. And if it's not broke, you don't fix it. And Arsenal have been in really good form and Arsenal have, um, you know, got some really impressive results playing that way. So if you can do that, so as in stay as close to that as possible whilst fitting in the new personnel, I think that's probably um, the right way to go. But we're going to have to see, of course. Um, a couple of deadline day departures, Dan, I just want to get your thoughts on. Uh, Lucas Torreira, of course, joined Atletico Madrid in a deal which saw him go the other way, essentially. Um, I've got mixed feelings about this one because I do feel like he, you know, he wasn't necessarily going to make it at Arsenal. But I do feel like maybe given a little bit more of a chance, we could have seen the best of Lucas Torreira. So I've got a little bit of regret around this one. Yeah, I think we're going to see 
him turn into a great player at Atletico Madrid because that's what he is potentially. You know, the guy's 24 years old or 25 um, and I don't think he's actually a bad player. Um, excuse me, people go in about his height, say that he's not he's not strong enough, he's not he's not big enough. But we've seen a different style of, of midfielder over the last few years, haven't we? That haven't been big and had presence, that have still done a good job in Kante, in Didi. And now we've got Lucas Torreira, who I think Diego Simeone is going to love at Atletico Madrid. He's that little t- tenacious ball terrier, isn't he? That's the pit ball at your ankles that is just not going to let you have the ball. Breaks up play well. Really good pass through the ball, which people don't give him enough credit for as well. And I think... If I had to be brutally honest with Lucas Torreira, Harry, Unai Emery destroyed him because he was trying to play him in a stupid position, which he was never, ever going to be able to play in. And he just couldn't use him. And he scored a goal against Spurs when we beat him 4-2 a couple of seasons ago. And from that game onwards, he decided to play him as an Eden Hazard, David Silva type (laughs) figure. And I don't know why, because it was working well for him so well. And... He was probably one of my most consistent performers up until that point. He looked brilliant in the middle. It was like, finally, we have our anchor in midfield. He looks brilliant there. So I was a bit gutted to see him go. But if it means we get a party, we have to do it. But there's some other outgoings, which I'm sure we'll come on to, that I really wanted to see that didn't happen. And he was one that I would have happily kept um, to sacrifice a couple of more. But it is what it is, mate. That's the thing, though, isn't it? He was one of the ones that was wanted. So, you know, by another side, essentially. Still, there is a little bit of disappointment on my part that we weren't able to sell him. um, Mm -hmm. Because I don't think, for for all the good things we've said about Lucas Torreira just now, I still don't think he necessarily has a future at Arsenal. And it would have been nice, wouldn't it, to have got that that money in. Um, But obviously... Is there any kind of option to buy him at the end or is it not? No, no. it's my understanding there is no option to buy. There is no obligation to buy. Therefore, if Atletico decide after um, the loan spell that they've been impressed with him, they want to keep him on, then they will need to go into a completely new negotiation. Um, Obviously... Mm. It'll be interesting to see if that <laughs> didn't happens. Didn't end well because, either, did it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It'll be interesting to see how that goes because obviously Atletico Madrid are, are quite upset with the way the Thomas Partey deal uh, was done. Um, they're upset that they weren't informed of the, the release clause being triggered officially until 11.30pm apparently, uh, Spanish time, which is obviously an hour ahead of us in the UK. So it would have been about half an hour before the deadline, which... You can understand their frustration, but I mean, it was all over the news that Thomas Partey was coming to Arsenal. So they they didn't not know about it. Do you know what I mean? I, I mean, to claim ignorance there, I just think is a little bit over the top. Mm. Um, Matteo Genduzzi also left the club again on a loan deal. These are two of the players that Arsenal probably would have felt they could have got transfer fees in from. And that will be frustrating. Um, but, you know, if they're not going to be playing... Why have them hanging around the place? Genduzi's gone to here to Berlin. By the time he returns, if he returns, he'll have a year left on his contract. It's been a little bit of a, a shit situation, hasn't it, with, with Matteo Genduzi? The way it's all happened, the way it's all unfolded. I'm personally glad to see the back of him um, because I don't think that kind of attitude is helpful. I didn't particularly rate him probably as much as everybody else anyway. So this one is kind of no skin off my nose. Where do you stand on, on the Genduzi thing? I am slightly disappointed with the circumstances of how he left more than the circumstances of um, more than the fact that he left, really. I think for Matteo Guendouzi, he has the potential to be a fantastic footballer, but you have to have the right attitude. 
And if your attitude isn't correct, you're not going to make it in this game. And certainly you're not going to make it Arsenal under Mikel Arteta's rules. And that was clear after Brighton. I didn't think the guy was an outstanding talent, but I thought he had the potential to be. I think he had mm. that little bit of bite, which I quite like to see. We didn't really slate Martin Keown and Patrick Vieira for doing that sort of thing in the Invincible Zero. So you won't hear any complaints from me when he goes and faces of players and starts to get the crowd up for it and starts to give it to the opposition crowd. But you need to have the right frame of mind to be within the dressing room and within the training ground and within the pitch. And I don't think he was any of those, if I'm honest with you. I think he needed to do a lot of growing up. The loan deal for me, I'd like to have seen it, both of them leave for fees. However... Uh, and I think if we did, we would have got Hossamoa, if I'm honest with you. But yeah. because we didn't get the money, uh, Matteo Guendouzi going on loan, could he have an amazing season and turn around and say, do you know what? I've learned a lot and I would like a future at the club. We don't know. But I fear it is the end for his Arsenal career if he's only got a year left on his contract. Um, and I think he'll probably leave after this uh, this this uh, season. Yeah, agreed. Um, it's worth mentioning that Arsenal brought in a couple of youngsters yesterday as well, um, or at least one for sure, um, and that was the uh, Swedish striker. But I, I've got to be honest, I don't know a great deal about him, so I'm not going to sit here and uh, pretend I do. So we'll, we'll probably leave that for another day, uh, do a little bit of research and come back to you guys. I will say, though, Harry, just on that, because yeah. I think it's important that the under-23s are mentioned because it's not just him. We've had port three or four, George Lewis mm. and a few others. But I think that's interesting to see what Arteta is doing there, isn't he? He's, they've clearly got a new scouting process where they're looking yeah. at the future as well as right now. I think that's important. Yeah, it is for sure. Um, it shows planning for the future. And we've seen when you look at some of the more recent sort of younger signings that we've brought in, you look at somebody like Gabriel Martinelli. And I think every single one of us has been impressed with him. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, hopefully we, we find a few more gems and they can start uh, start helping out the first team. Um, we heard today that William Saliba was very, very close uh, on deadline day to returning to uh, Saint Etienne. Now we knew uh, that Arsenal's preference was to send William Saliba back out on loan. We did hear of it last night, but there was no sort of clarity around whether the two clubs had got that done in time. It is understood that the agreement was reached, so there was no issue between Arsenal and Saint Etienne. It's just they couldn't get the deal completed in terms of the paperwork and all the various other regulatory bits um, done in time. It's a bit of a knockback that because, you know, we've heard about Saliba struggling with personal circumstances of late. And when you think about all the places that he could possibly go and, and we're hearing this this afternoon that there are a couple of championship clubs interested, notably Norwich and Bournemouth. But Saint-Étienne going back to France, a club that you know where you don't need to settle in. And if the family sort of stuff is true about William Saliba, he'll probably be a little bit disappointed that this one didn't get over the line. He will be. And when you see that there's an uncertainty over the immediate future of a player like William Saliba at 19 years old, you know it's off the field stuff. You know it is because the talent's clear to see and everybody said how great this potential this lad is. So when you've got players like Mustafi and Socrates ahead of you, it isn't going to take you much to get ahead of them, trust me. Uh, so for, as far as I'm concerned, it is nothing to do with his talent. I don't think Arteta is unsure of the kid. I just think it's personal circumstances. I don't see the point of him going to the championship at all because it's not going to help him with his personal circumstances. I think we need to allow him some time at home if he wants it. 
and he comes back to mm-hmm. Arsenal when he's ready. And I think that we see a good William Saliba. I'm really excited to see this lad because there's so much hype about him. There's there's comparisons to Lillian Taram at his young age. So if he's going to be as half as good as him, we'll take him, please. And I think that him and Gabriel together could have formed a good partnership this season in certain games. And we could have tried to test it in Europa Leagues, tried to test it in League Cups and FA Cups and see how we get on. Because this four at the back system is something Arteta definitely wants to try. And I don't think we've got the personnel at the moment to do it. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with William Saliba. But watch this space. I think he'll stay at the club and I think he'll, an arm rounding by Arteta and some time away. He'll come back when he's ready and we'll, we'll get him back into moulding into the side. In a way, I'm, for selfish reasons, I'm happy that he's stayed because we get to yeah. see him this season, hopefully. But I hope the kid's all right because losing, losing one of your loved ones at that age is, is devastating. Yeah, of course. And, and, and like you said, you know, it's, it, we've got to remember as well that there are going to be, what, six Europa League group games that he yeah. could probably play in, um, you know, cup competitions as well. So it's not like he's, you know, in danger of getting zero football if he stays at Arsenal. I, I'm with you. I'm not sure the championship is the right place for someone who's just come to, to the UK. Um, it's a little bit overly physical, in my opinion. Um, I probably sound like a, a football snob saying that, but it is a very different competition in terms of the physicality. <clears throat> apologies uh, you've got so many games in a season as well it, it could be a tough tough ask for him. um right so we, we've kind of focused on on deadline day and what happened on deadline day but in terms of the overall window dan how would you rate the overall window out of 10 it's a tough one isn't it because 10 out of 10 would be you go and get upper Mokano, you go and get a right back you go and get a you go get party you know, you, you sort yourself out in every single position that you believe you're short in. Nine out of ten would be you miss out on a couple of positions. Eight would be you miss out on the one. And seven would be you miss out on, on and it goes down from there. I think for me, I'm going to give it a six and a half. And the reason I say that is not on the incomings, because I'm actually quite happy with Party and Gabriel. I think keeping Sabayos was great. And I think that with... Um, Willian on a free, it's, it's actually not bad business in terms of our incomings. Our outgoings... I'd rate it a one out of 10. I mean, to not get any money for any of our players is dreadful. And I look at Liverpool's situation, getting 10 million for Ings, 15 million for Ibe, 26 million for Brewster, 20 million for Solanke. And we can't get five for Socrates or Mustafi. We can't get 10 for Kalasanak because his wages are too high. And I just think it's a massive thank you to the great Arsene Wenger and Ivan Gazidis for this, because this for me is their fault. There's nobody else that is given these wages. I saw a wage structure today that was put up on one of the groups um, that I'm on on WhatsApp. And you could see the amount of crap that was on the ridiculous wages that Arsene Wenger and Gazidis had bought in. Danny Ceballos is on 50 grand a week and Kalasinac's on 125. <laughs> it's that bad, mate. So you could just see straight away how bad it was. So for me, the outgoings or lack of has been a disgrace. So a 6.5 overall for me, we have to keep, we have to actually unregister two players for the Premier League, who I'm not sure who they're going to be at the moment. But it looks to me like Socrates, Ozil, Mustafi, Kalasinac, they don't have a long-term future at the club, but they're just basically taking money out of the club until January where they can sign her for somebody else. And that for me is bad business. And that's not Arteta and Edu's fault. It's the previous regime's fault because they're stuck. I think there was, there was interest in Mustafi, Kalasanak, probably Ozil on loan, Gwenduzi, Torreira, 
but no one wanted to pay the wages and nobody wanted to pay the fees. And unfortunately, you can't do business like that. I think you said last night, if you've got a bad car, you can't sell it. And that is exactly what they are. They're on ridiculous wages and no one can afford them. So for me, outgoings is poor. So overall, six and a half out of ten. Cool. I'm not going to like make excuses for it, but I do wonder if it would have been a little bit different had we not been in the times that we're in. And I've seen this figure banded around social media today, which says, oh, that actually the overall spend in the Premier League was higher um, this season than it was last. But those figures are skewed because Chelsea have gone and spent an absolute shitload of money. And last season they had a transfer ban. So, you know, when you take out sort of what, what have they spent? A couple of hundred million in this window? Yeah, more, yeah. Um, yeah, if, if you take that into consideration, then actually the Premier League clubs have spent less this time around than they did last season. So um, that's worth worth taking into account as well. For me, I give the window overall a seven. Um, I completely agree with you about the fact that we've been unable to to shift players out for money and that's been a problem. But I do think we've addressed some really key areas. We've addressed the centre-back um, in terms of bringing Gabriel in. I'm like you, I, I really have high hopes for Gabriel. Um, we've also brought in... Uh, a top-class midfielder in Thomas Partey. We've brought Danny Ceballos back. I said at the start of the summer that the most important bit of business thought we could do would be to tie down Pierre-Eric Aubameyang. So the club deserve credit for that because it's a massive financial commitment. Um, you know, we've added Lillian uh, in a position where, where whilst we have numbers in terms of like bodies, so, you know, your Reese Nelsons, your Sackers, your, all those players that can play sort of on the wing we didn't really have uh, experience covered uh, experienced cover sorry in those positions so i'm glad to see that williams come in there so yeah i give it a seven the only reason i can't give it higher is because of the outgoings as well but to a degree what could edu and arteta have done differently with that if nobody wants those players then it's as simple as that you know there are people like socrates for example and i know this for a fact that Socrates doesn't want to leave London. He's just had a kid and he doesn't want to go and take a massive pay cut somewhere. So he will happily sit there and not play football for another year because he knows that he's at a stage in his career where he just needs to get as much money in as he can. And I wouldn't be surprised if Socrates ends up going back to Greece and signing for Olympiakos or, you know, one of the big boys over there on, a, you know, having been around Europe and played a fair amount. So there, there is that issue. Moving these players on was never going to be easy, but I would have liked to have seen uh, us be a little bit more creative maybe in the way we did that. So but This is so. why I think we were in for Awar and Party because I think they were expecting to get rid of those players and then we would have afforded mm. Hossam Awar as well. But as soon as we couldn't get rid of these, now nah, I was dead in the water, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, Dan, just want to get your quick thoughts on... Um, I'm not going to get involved in this because I'm always talking about this particular player and I, I don't really want to get involved in it on this occasion, but I'm oh, going to get your thoughts. Um, I'm going to get your thoughts on the Mesa Ozil thing. Now we heard yesterday that the Gunnosaurus had been let go. There was loads of outrage about that. But for me, you know, there's no fans, there's no community events. So if they've laid him off, but they're going to bring him back later, which some sources at the club are saying that is actually the case. I'm not, overly outraged with that i've got to be honest um but mesa Ozil has come out this afternoon at the time of recording and said you know what i'll pay his wages for as long as i'm at the club i'll pay his wages is this mesa Ozil doing a good thing 
Is this Mesut Ozil using this as an opportunity to make his point about the fact that the pay cuts weren't actually going towards saving jobs? Or are you like me and you think it's actually Mesut Ozil doing a good thing, but also taking the opportunity to stick the knife in? So a bit of both. He knows exactly what he's doing and so does his PR team, bro. This this guy is, should be called Mesut PR Stunt Ozil. <laughs> it's yet again another PR stunt. That, the, honestly, Harry, the quicker 2021 comes, the better. This dude is taking £18 million out of the club, stinking out the place, never going to be playing again in an Arsenal shirt, in my opinion. These fans that love him and want to see him in the team, I don't understand it. We've just proved for the last, what, eight nine months we don't need him and people are still crying out for him oh party is gonna make him better no he's not this guy is i've seen this guy for six years he's not changed and off the field he is an absolute disaster when it comes to pr the whole signing was a whole pr stunt as far as i'm concerned he gets to the stage on instagram and he starts saying how much he loves arsenal and he loves london and he is more than happy. If he was on 50k a week, he wouldn't love Arsenal and he wouldn't love London. Put it that way. He'd be off to back to Turkey. So I just sit, sit here and think he's trying so, so hard. It's cringeworthy now. And it's got to a stage where I'm with you. The Gunnosaurus, if he's not entertaining anybody at an empty stadium, then lay him off and bring him back when we come in. It's fine. And now he thinks all of a sudden it's okay for him to then get on the backs and say, oh, I'm going to pay for the Gunnosaurus so I can then show the fans that I care and I'll be let back in the team. And if I'm not let back in the team, oh, your manager is horrible and your board are horrible. What a load of rubbish. This guy is, is uh, I, I need him and his PR people out of this club ASAP, man. I, I cannot wait for 2021 when him, Mustafi, all of his little cling, that, that little click they've got, um, Kalasanak, all go. Because the, the sooner the better for me. That's the attitude I do not want to see at this club, man. I want people worried about what they're doing on the pitch, not off it. And he is all about Instagram and PR, mate. Getting wound up, man. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Steam coming out of Dan Potts' ears there. Um, big thank you to uh, Ramit for your very kind donation uh, during the live stream. Thank you very much, mate. Really, really appreciate it. And thank you for your continued support. Um, big thank you to everyone who's joined us, whether you're watching us on the Chronicles of Aguna or whether you are listening to this uh, via We're the North Bank, uh, the Arsenal podcast for 90 Min. Check out 90 Min's YouTube channel as well, where you find myself and Dan featuring, uh, representing the Arsenal uh, in all the debates, uh, which can get quite uh, quite interesting at times. So head over to 90 Min, check that out. Give them a follow on Twitter as well. Give us a follow. I'm at Harry Simeon. Dan's at Dan Arsenal 87 And uh, we're going to be back very, very soon with more content. Until then, take care of yourselves and uh, enjoy the international break. Cheers. <laughs>